Section 5 of the Underground Railroad, Part 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Underground Railroad, Part 3. By William Still. Section 5 slaveholder in maryland with three colored wives james griffin alias thomas brown james was a tiller of the soil under the yoke of joshua hitch who lived on a farm about seventeen miles from baltimore james spoke rather favorably of him indeed it was through a direct act of kindness on the part of his master that he procured the opportunity to make good his escape it appeared from his story that his master's affairs had become particularly embarrassed and the sheriff was making frequent visits to his house this sign was interpreted to mean that james if not others would have to be sold before long the master was much puzzled to decide which way to turn he owned but three other adult slaves beside james and they were females one of them was his chief housekeeper and with them all his social relations were of such a nature as to lead james and others to think and say that they were all his wives or to use james's own language he had three slave women two were sisters and he lived with them all as his wives two of them he was very fond of and desired to keep them from being sold if possible the third he concluded he could not save she would have to be sold in this dilemma he was good enough to allow james a few days holiday for the purpose of finding him a good master expressing his satisfaction and gratification james armed with full authority from his master to select a choice specimen started for baltimore on reaching baltimore however james carefully steered clear of all slaveholders and shrewdly turned his attention to the matter of getting an underground railroad ticket for canada after making as much inquiry as he felt was safe he came to the conclusion to walk of nights for a long distance he examined his feet and legs found that they were in good order and his faith and hope strong enough to remove a mountain besides several days still remained in which he was permitted to look for a new master and these he decided could be profitably spent in making his way towards canada so off he started at no doubt a very diligent pace for at the end of the first night's journey he had made much headway but at the expense of his feet his faith was stronger than ever so he rested next day in the woods concealed of course and the next evening started with fresh courage and renewed perseverance finally he reached columbia pennsylvania and there he had the happiness to learn the mountain which at first had tried his faith so severely was removed and friendly hands were reached out in the more speedy and comfortable mode of travel advised he was directed to the vigilance committee in philadelphia from whom he received friendly aid and all necessary information respecting canada and how to get there james was thirty-one years of age rather a fine-looking man of a chestnut color and quite intelligent he had been a married man but for two years before his escape he had been a widower that is his wife had been sold away from him to north carolina and in that space of time he had received only three letters from her he had given up all hope of ever seeing her again he had two little boys living in baltimore whom he was obliged to leave their names were edward and william what became of them afterwards was never known at the philadelphia station james's master was a man of about fifty years of age who had never been lawfully married 
it had a number of children on his place who were of great concern to him in the midst of their pressing embarrassments of course the committee never learned how matters were settled after james left but in all probability his wives nancy and mary sisters and lizzie with all the children had to be sold End of section 5. Recording by Greg Giordano, Newport Ritchie, Florida.